0: Hello there, blockheads, and welcome back to The New Blocks, episode number 12. Today, we're going to be talking about DAOs. This is one of the more exciting aspects of what we're doing here on the blockchain, Kevin, and I'm excited to dive in today. I feel like I am really excited every time we get to come back and talk about blockchain, but with 11 episodes in the bag... We're finally getting into the really interesting stuff, right? We've been laying all this groundwork. We built the foundation of our house. And now we're starting to build some walls, like a window might pop up. The front door is going to be really interesting. I think this is where uh, the rubber meets the pavement.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, If you've by chance missed our episode about blockchain, our episode about Ethereum, or our episode most recently about smart contracts, I encourage you to go back and check those out. Those are sort of the fundamental, important building blocks that were necessary to get humanity to a point where we can build something interesting like DAOs. So what is a DAO? A DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. That is fancy words for a, an alternative to a traditional hierarchical Organization. So you think of a company. You think of how uh, you have a CEO at the top, and you sort of oh. have this hierarchy, this little tree that goes down. And you have the, your middle managers. They go down to the managers, and they get all the way down to sort of the people that are the grunts that are at the bottom, mm-hmm. such as myself, uh, that are doing sort of the work. And a DAO is sort of this alternative to this idea. There's there's no um, there's no there's no hierarchy here, and and DAOs are new to to the crypto world mm-hmm. because of the properties that blockchains have given us to to create this idea of, uh, you know, rules without rulers or... Right. Um, without, you know, central third parties, these 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 people that have all the control.
0: I see. So we're back to to this rules without rulers kind of concept. And I, I think we talked about this a lot in the last episode about smart contracts and sort of tactfully tried to explain the importance of smart contracts before the DAOs episode, because the two are, are pretty interlinked, right? The, the concept of a DAO is really only made possible by the technology that we have in the smart contracts.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, I mean, all of this stuff builds up over time. Um, and w- yeah, without uh, a mechanism to propagate money around, you can't really have an organization that uh, doesn't have any concept of a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, we need these these building blocks that sort of allow us to uh, build new and innovative things. So DAOs are a very new idea, um, but they sort of come from, uh, from very old examples. Um, uh, so if you look at nature, you can kind of see a lot of what would be kind of an equivalent to a DAO. Um, ant colonies and, and beehives are a good example here. Um, they okay. have this property called stigmergy, uh, which is this method of indirect coordination. So if you think about how uh, an ant colony works, um, there is the queen ant, Um, but that doesn't, the queen ant isn't telling these, these individual ants, all of the things that they need to be doing. Um, ants are kind of wired. They have these algorithms built into them, into their, into their DNA. Mm -hmm. And so they, they go through these little routines, Um, that are you could think of as kind of like an algorithm where they'll go into a room in their nest and they'll they'll check they'll count how much food exists in there um, and determine whether it makes sense to go get more food or go dig out a new room to store food Um, Mm -hmm. they'll they'll sort of do similarly uh, counting eggs to determine if it makes sense for the queen to continue breeding or not Um, these are just kind of examples in nature of of very complex collective organizations that have no concept of hierarchy, um, and they still thrive and, and do
0: well. I feel like I've got a totally different lease on Sim Ant. I spent a lot of hours playing that game, but I don't Same. know if I was.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I've ever met anyone else that played Sim Ant. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: been a <laughs> lot of years, but uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't strategizing right. It's interesting to think about the way the, these these sort of autonomous creatures like ants operate in these highly complex yet um, generally sort of flat lack of hierarchies is pretty interesting. I never really framed it that way.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really just this idea of, of kind of a distributed coordinated group that is able to adapt to changing conditions, you know, food supply, and just really the environment that it's in. Uh, I, I think a lot of times when you hear people talk about DAOs um, in the crypto world, You'll hear them kind of make a lot of analogies to to organisms because that's really uh, at a at a very very high level that's what it kind of acts like. Uh, another example of of a Dao in the human world uh, is, is really any sort of self organizing internet group or or large movement. You think about Occupy Wall Street. There wasn't really a leader to that movement. It was sort of a uh, an emergent thing that occurred, and mm-hmm. you know that maybe there was people with more influence than others, but there, there wasn't a concept of a hierarchy. It was kind of just this thing that happened.
0: Mm-hmm. It reminds me. I mean, wasn't the the Boston Marathon sort of like that? That when before they had identified the the perpetrators, Reddit played a, a big role. And I, I don't know if they. They might have misidentified some people now that i'm remembering the story and saying it out loud so maybe an example of how that power can be wielded uh maybe in the wrong direction but that's another example of there was no management there that was just a, a sort of a phenomena that that took hold because everybody was motivated and had this this sort of shared desire uh to, to figure out who the person was right yeah exactly yeah i mean it's it's any
1: any uh, group that can really rally behind an idea doesn't really need to be told exactly what to do. They, they just know that they're passionate mm-hmm. about something um, and, and they sort of act on their own. Um, so closer to, to more uh, recent DAOs, you can really think of Bitcoin uh, as a DAO because there is no leader. There's no controller. There's no one that really has the power to say what Bitcoin should be doing. Um, There are, you know, core developers that write some of the code. There are miners that run the hardware. There are users that decide that it's money and use it um, and, and hold it. But none of these individual groups has the power to sort of sway the entire thing. If the core developers decided that they wanted to remove the 21 million cap, the miners and the users would be like, no, that's the whole point. Like, we're not going to accept your new version of the software. We're mm-hmm. just going to keep using the old one. And, and similarly, if the miners sort of did a revolt, the the uh, the users and and the core programmers they can you know switch to proof of stake. They can find miners that that do want to mine for it. So uh, there's there's not a single uh, person or group that is really in control of Bitcoin. It's, and then that way, it's
0: similar to a DAO. It's a more distributed power dynamic, right? That normal yeah. organization that you talked about, it's like CEO board have a lot of power, middle managers have kind of a little bit of power, and then the folks that are on the bottom that actually execute, although collectively hold all of the power because they actually do the thing that makes the thing in the business, um, individually, they don't really have much power or decision-making prowess. But um, the kind of systems that you're describing, um, it's more like uh, a balance of powers sort of set up across these major parties uh, that are all reliant on one another to make make the system operate. That That is, as we keep saying, the game theory of it. Yeah,
1: that's right. So finally, that brings us to what I'm calling smart contract DAOs. And this is like the, really the, the first instance of what people refer to now when they talk about a DAO. Um, and so in 2016, after Ethereum launched, uh, there was this experimental organization, smart contract thing, um, that people gave the name, uh, the DAO, the Ugh. decentralized autonomous
0: organization. It called- was actually <laughs> like- the worst name possible. Even if somebody that <laughs> really follow this, I remember when the DAO was announced and I remember, like, I remember the first time I read the Ethereum website and I remember thinking governance, what, but what would I ever actually use this for? What am I going to turn my LLC into an Ethereum company? Nah, that's never going to be a thing. So like, you are learn about, okay, decentralized autonomous organizations. And then you start reading about the DAO. It's like, wait, what is the? I thought it was a DAO. The DAOs are just a thing that can exist. What is the DAO? I was horribly confused by it. I just wanted to, to throw that out there, Kevin. Yeah. I hated the name.
1: <laughs> well it's also one of those things that like prior to it you know may- maybe the name could have been used in kind of a theoretical sense but there really wasn't any examples prior that that really did what this was doing so you know we'll just call it the Dao because that's Fair. all there's no other dowels out here uh but yeah you know it's a little
0: grandiose forward, you know yeah it, it definitely is
1: Um <laughs> uh, Yeah, and just the name Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes people abbreviate that to just Decentralized Organizations. Um, A lot of this stuff isn't totally automated, so I think uh, Decentralized Organizations works, but I'm just going to keep calling it a DAO. It's quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, this idea of the DAO was a, a very basic and experimental investment organization. So the way it worked is anyone can join the DAO by sending ETH, to a smart contract. There was no individual or group that had control over that ETH uh, or that smart contract. So the way that the the money was used, uh, anyone could introduce proposals. And based on the amount of money, the, the amount of ETH that you sent to the smart contract, you would receive back voting rights uh, to be able to vote on these proposals. So uh, sort of a basic example. I don't even know if it got through proposals before uh, its demise, but you could think of this as like, uh, you know, Ethereum needs the the ability to... uh, send push notifications. And right now there is there is an actual project that's working on the Ethereum push notification service. Um, but just using this sort of as an example, like that's a thing that Ethereum could benefit from. Uh, people could start to receive push notifications based on on-chain activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sort of incentive uh, as a holder of Ether and a, a believer in Ethereum, uh, I'm sort of incentivized to uh, want to improve the state of Ethereum. So the DAO could use proposals to sort of identify opportunities for Ethereum to fund uh, these, these solutions to kind of important problems.
0: Okay, so it's it's basically like a a DAO government. Sort of like, hey, we got this land. We need some roads. No, no one person should own the roads. So we're gonna make this group, and you're gonna give us some money. In our world, it's taxes. In the DAO world, it's donations. Whatever. It's you know, stake to be part of the Dow. But essentially, that's what it is. We're building kind of public goods that we all have an incentive to benefit from. Hence, we all have an incentive to voluntarily pay a tax into. Maybe one way you could look at it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, I think similar to a lot of important innovations in history, think, think about like humanity's first <laughs> rocket. Uh, yeah, right. it, it shot up. It was pretty neat. Everyone was getting really excited about it. Uh, and it fell straight back down to Earth and exploded. Uh, there was a hacker that was able to find an exploit in the code, um, the, it, it, a new type of bug. Because again, blockchains code is new. law,
0: though, son. So what are you gonna do?
1: So so what occurred? 3.6 million ETH was was pulled from this uh, from the smart contract, and this was a very big problem for Ethereum. Um, So the Ethereum Foundation and sort of like the the core developers and and Vitalik, the founder, they introduced this proposal to uh, fork Ethereum, create a new version of it and uh, remove that transaction. Because if that had persisted, it was a very large portion of the total supply of Ether on the network. Um, And it would have been really problematic if you're trying to build a decentralized (laughs) network, if a single actor holds a huge, huge portion of the ETH, and it was just you know a hacker that got away with it, yeah. um, and so it was kind of their one-time mulligan. We talked a little bit about this in the Ethereum episode, um, and they created a version of Ethereum that did not have that hack transaction in it, and um, the vast majority of the community moved over to it. They sort of accepted that it wasn't ideal. This is not really truly immutable, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, we kind of need to make this trade off right now, so that we can kind of get toward what would be more ideal in the future.
0: Yeah, um, it kind of makes sense. And now we've got Ethereum Classic, and uh, congratulations to anyone who's been paying attention to that. Um, wow, so quite quite the up and down uh, emotional roller coaster for the the first Dow here. Yeah, but, but it didn't yeah. end there, huh, Kevin?
1: It didn't. Uh, thankfully, so the first sort of. Uh, really interesting DAO that uh, has survived. Uh, It's been around now for a little while. It's called MakerDAO, and I I believe we have the website. We can pull that up. Um, MakerDAO is an organization that's job is to govern and make decisions about the first ever decentralized stablecoin. We're going to do a whole episode about stablecoins, but the idea here is that you know we're building this new financial system wouldn't it be nice if we also supported the currencies from the old financial system something like us dollar it's the most used currency in the world would be kind of neat if we had the ability to use us dollar uh on ethereum and do it in a way that doesn't require trusting central intermediaries so right. it created this mechanism uh, called DAI, uh that is the stable coin. And the Maker Dow, is in charge of sort of pulling and making decisions, uh, uh, pulling levers, uh, turning knobs, and setting uh, important things like interest rates, uh, collateral requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, you can kind of think of this as an alternative to the Fed, right? The Fed's job is to set interest rates and mm-hmm. um, kind of like make the important decisions about the US dollar. Um, and really, this is just an alternative to having like the t- the 10 boomers that are in the Fed that like, <laughs> that are doing all the important uh, work and making all the important decisions. Yeah. Um, and so now anyone that uses Dai, anyone that wants to be involved in these governance decisions, uh, they can be a part of that. And, and I think that's pretty neat.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I, it took me a while to wrap my brain around stable coins and this idea of pegging a digital currency to a fiat currency. But um, yeah, we're, we're going to go into a lot more detail uh, about that coming up. Um, and we've continued to evolve since then, though, Kevin. Yes?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do a... a uh, oh, yeah. Um, in, in terms of the next DAOs that came, mm-hmm. uh, I think we started to see a lot more sort of... Um, taking the ideas that existed and improving upon them. So Moloch DAO is a commonly uh, forked DAO. So a lot of people have kind of taken the original and, and made their own versions of it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very similar to the structure of the DAO um, in that it, it sort of exists as an, an investment DAO for governing um, around the proposals, making decisions, but it introduced some new ideas. Um, it introduced this idea called rage quitting um, and you can really liken this to kind of a, a like a World of Warcraft guild or, or really any sort of guild um, and uh, the idea here is that if you start to dislike the decisions that are being made in this DAO you can kind of pull your money out and just and rage quit the DAO um, and yeah it just sort of new ideas that were getting stacked on top of <laughs> other ones and building out so more more interesting DAOs.
0: This is like rage quit in a a good way though in the sense that you're not leaving your collateral on the table but you can rage quit and walk away with what you put on the table rather than being locked into it right so it's like uh this is a a user kind of boon here um which it's funny now because we've come so far since then still as we're going to go through even more DAOs that have developed but um it's wild to think of that as like this crazy innovation like what if you weren't just locked into this thing like a cd you know that that's sort of what some of this original DAO sounds like. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I even liken Malak DAO to sort of a, a a WoW guild because there's this there's this idea of a, the the treasury, right? Like in, in a WoW mm-hmm. guild, the the important members of the guild sort of like own the treasury and they they know what to do with with the money, but like you know, now we have these tools that allow us to to have people vote on it. Um, so, yeah, continue to improve. And we're really at a point where um, there's just hundreds of DAOs. Like, I, I've curated a little list here to sort of give examples to show the different diversity that exists. But, like, this is a fun little corner of the Internet that nobody really knows about mm-hmm. that is, like, fundamentally going to change the way that humans organize over time, um, and uh, it's really neat to watch. So, I, yeah. like so, some really high level examples of what we see uh, in the DAO space um, in decentralized finance, uh, we have these protocols for things like exchanging, lending, and borrowing, um, and they generally exist as a centralized team that starts out and builds the project, right? You need programmers to write the smart contracts. You need people to kind of make the decisions about what it is that we're going to build. But over time, they are getting to a point where they will create a DAO, and they will sort of offload ownership of those important decisions to the DAO. And they're really incentivized to do this, right? Because if you built uh, a new exchange, uh, and you want other protocols and and uh, infrastructure to build on top of it, then you are incentivized to Uh, ensure that the users of your application are really the ones that are making the decisions. Because if you're just a centralized team and you're going to go up against all these decentralized alternatives, you're going to lose in this space. This is not like Web2. This is not like the existing system. So there's sort of this emphasis toward like getting you to... to To move away from having central ownership of the important decisions,
0: it, it's kind of like a decentralization funnel where it has to start with this centralized vision for it to get off the ground and kind of get this proof of concept to even like write the code to begin with. But once it exists and somebody can sort of pigeon pigeonhole or that 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 idea into something concrete, then you can get start giving it away to the users because they have. This base to build upon. Um, and if you think about handing over that governance over time, it's not just like, a, okay, tomorrow you guys are in charge. Good luck. It's not it's like selling <laughs> it's a like business, it's like you're designing this pyramid. So that people will slowly take more and more ownership over time. Like, I think that's part of the Axie infinity model, right? It's centralized to build the game, but then over time, it's going to be owned more and more by the users who will have more, they will be able to use the Axie token as a governance token to be able to make decisions in the universe of how things will work. So, um, it, you can sort of see it making sense when it's a, a phase in type strategy especially for something like Uniswap. I uh, wasn't that like yeah. kind of the meme around Uniswap when they they had they were sort of forced to issue a token because a competitor came in, copied what they did, issued a token that paid better than what they were doing. So they sent out a token and the way they did it was anybody who had used Uniswap, they gave them like 400 UNI tokens I think it was, right? Yeah. And th- the joke yeah. was that Uniswap did a stimulus check better than the American government did. Yeah, I I can confirm that. (laughs) That was like (laughs) a a, a true (laughs) meme, because even at the time, like I think they were worth more than it. There was like a couple dollars or something when they issued those 400 uni tokens. But in terms of governance, what a cool way to hand out that ownership to the users in a way that isn't completely front loaded to the whales. You know that the whales are always going to be able to centralize and buy more of the tokens afterwards. But to start it out on this base level where everyone gets an equal share of voting power. That's pretty fucking cool, man. That that's yeah. uh, not unprecedented, but definitely not the norm. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think this is a, an
1: entirely new way to incentivize users um, and to to participate in in the the process of building the application, of being involved in it. And, and I think this is probably a good time to pull up the Uniswap website. Um in addition to sort of their what they, they call that their airdrop and this is a term that's used in the space to um disperse governance tokens to users of a protocol. Um but in addition to their airdrop, they are at a point now where they are the largest decentralized exchange. They uh for a time period were even settling more uh trades than Coinbase uh in, in wow. the summer. And and they're kind of trailing them behind, but like Coinbase is now valued higher than the New York Stock Exchange, uh, and no one's heard of Uniswap, right? Like, <laughs> uh, So right now, decentralized, uh, I'm sorry, Uniswap has $2.8 billion in its Dow treasury. Uh, and this is essentially uh, the equivalent, again, you could think of this as like the, the big money pot that exists for Uniswap, where anyone can go up, you or I. Uh, can go ahead and open a proposal and say, hey, I wanna build something that would be helpful and beneficial to Uniswap and myself. Um, a good example of this, the, the podcast Bankless, they opened a proposal with Uniswap and they said, hey, we have a podcast. We have we have listeners. We have viewers. Um, we want to have Uniswap advertise for us. And so they got their proposal through. They get paid to uh, talk about Uniswap every episode and sort of tell people about this grant proposal process. So it's like this idea of these decentralized organizations that have money and they need labor and they need people to um, to to do the work of like building out um, this this public good right we, we talked about public goods in our last episode. uniswap is a public good. It exists as a an exchange that no one really owns or controls and so you know I like uniswap i'm i I think that this this new model for organizing a version of a version of Coinbase where there is no middleman that takes exchange fees. Like yes, let's. That's the direction that we're heading. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump through a couple more of these uh, and then we can get to to the Q and A. Um, but uh, Metagamma Delta. This is a, a, a DAO I wanted to hit on because I just really like their their message. Um, they support women led projects in Web three. Um, I, I think this is a space similar to a lot of tech that. Uh, does not have the diversity that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so any organization that's making it their point to try and bring that diversity to the table, I, I'm I'm all for it. Um, so another one here, um, Yang Dao. This was the first Dao that was formed around a political candidate. Um, it allows Andrew Yang volunteers to collectively fund new projects. Uh, he's in the news this week for saying some garbage on Twitter. But... Um, <laughs> I, I thought yeah. this idea of this DAO was interesting. And it wasn't even something that he had proposed uh, or sort of even like endorsed. It was kind of just like people were that liked DAO, I'm oh, sorry, that liked Yang decided to make a DAO. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: another example here, Pleaser DAO. Uh, this was the first NFT investment DAO. And so when Uniswap launched their V3 uh, recently, they had sort of an announcement video. It was like a short little teaser promo. um, And they decided to sell that as an NFT and uh, give all the proceeds to charity. Um, And so some of the people that were sort of bidding against each other, for this, uh, decided that they would just form a DAO and they would both own the the NFT. I think when by the time that they actually won the auction, they it was like fifteen or so people, uh, and they've continued to grow. That then they recently purchased Edward Snowden's NFT. Uh, the Uniswap one was like five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Edward Snowden's NFT was five point four million. <laughs> so this is like now a big player in the NFT investment game. Um, And it's just this collective of people. I don't know how many people are a part of it now, but it's like, yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating.
0: Definitely. Um,
1: Yeah. Uh, A couple last ones here and then we can get to uh, wrapping up. A Bankless DAO, this is a, the podcast I was talking about that that received that Uniswap grant. They just launched their DAO last week. And similarly, if you'd been listening to that podcast, um, they uh, they offered their, um, they called it their Bankless Badge NFT. And, and for the last couple of years, you know, I've been, been collecting their Bankless Badge NFTs. I'm a listener. I like their podcast. Um, they launched their DAO and they airdropped their governance tokens to, to the listeners, the people that had those NFTs. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting, just this idea of, uh, you don't have to just be into like, b- uh, investments to do DAOs. Like it can just be a, uh, an organization for like a media company, uh, just help make decisions. What, what do you guys want to see? Like, what's the, the next episode we should do? Um, uh, wall street bets is another one they're, they're working on a DAO now. I think it, the turnaround time from the, the point that wall street bets unbanned crypto, to like they're all in and they're like creating their own DAO now <laughs> it's like less than a month uh, I, I, I was like waiting for this to happen when when they unbanned crypto on that subreddit i was like this is it this is the moment where we're gonna see like a sea of apes join in this decentralized movement mm-hmm. uh, one i do want to pull up here uh it's called proof of humanity uh, this is a really interesting DAO. it was created by this guy named uh, santi from argentina he aims to advance democracy around the world. And the way that he plans to do it is create this uh, registry. Um, so the way it works is if you'd like to join this registry, you stake some ETH. Uh, when the time I joined, it was like 400 or so dollars worth. Um, you record a video of yourself declaring that you are a unique human and that you have not already registered in the registry. Uh, you hold up your Ethereum wallet. Um, Address. You, if you're going to do this, you would typically want to have sort of a separate address for this because your your identity will be tied to it. Um, and existing members can vouch for you and uh, or reject you if you're found to not meet the rules of acceptance. Um, so why would we do this? Like, what's the benefit to having a registry of humans? Well, uh, there's a really interesting problem in computer science uh, called the Sybil attack problem, and Generally, it's not a problem for most websites. Um, if you think about going on Facebook, when there are multiple accounts for a given user, it's not like a huge problem. Twitter, you know, maybe there's a bunch of bots. Maybe you got a lot of spam. But in crypto land, uh, if we can solve this problem of tying a unique human to a unique account in a registry, mm-hmm. then we get to do really interesting things. Uh, universal basic income is is right off the bat, something that we unlock the ability to, to start experimenting with. So that's sort of the incentive mechanism for proof of humanity. If you join every hour, you receive one UBI token. Um, and, you know, additionally, there's this concept called quadratic funding that sort of like weights uh, funding toward the uh projects that more individual donors are interested in so that you know i think right now we have so many of these like basic investment things where like the more money you have the more influence right now we can start build tooling where the more people that are into an idea then the more um emphasis and and capital we can put into it um last doubt Yeah, last DAO I want to hit on here is this uh, interesting one called Kleros. Uh, Kleros is an arbitration DAO. So it is a DAO for settling disputes in DAOs. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so an example of of when this was used recently, uh, Kevin Iwaki, he's the founder of this company, Gitcoin, um, he was rejected in joining the Proof of Humanity DAO because his profile picture, he was kind of facing off to the side. um, And... He didn't meet the criteria because you couldn't really see his full face. Um, and so he went through, had a, a jury, of a decentralized jury of his peers determined that he was not facing the camera directly uh, and he lost his stake and he had to rejoin. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, you could think of this idea of a, an arbitration DAO as very general purpose. Like anytime that we need to make important decisions in a general way, like you can have people from around the world help make those decisions. Wow.
0: Justice as a service. What a concept, man. We really are. The the future is here, man. This is so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, DAOs are are really just like this new architecture for companies and institutions. Um, It's a tool for Better societal governance long term. Um, it allows for instantaneous democratic global capital formation. Um, so in a way, it's kind of an alternative to venture capital funding, and it's really the the organizational entity for the internet age. Right? We went from last year where DAOs had like ten million in um, funds managed to now billions, like billions of dollars are being managed by these decentralized organizations, um, and it's gonna play out as this shift from, uh, this world of regional economies where you have every individual country has their own little economy. And that's the, they really think in that bubble of their own Mm -hmm. small group to DAOs are global. We're going to have like, we have kind of a concept of the global economy, but it's not, it doesn't really map one-to-one with the way that we organize ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, I mean governments are gonna have to start to figure out how they want to acknowledge the existence of DAOs. I know recently Wyoming uh decided that they will recognize DAOs as sort of a new type of LLC effective July first. Um should be interesting. I don't really know any of the details there. Like I don't know what that necessarily buys you uh for this like new global organization. Wyoming accepts you now. You get a tax um, ID,
0: dude. There you go. That's that's really yeah. it. <laughs> They're trying yeah. to track your ass. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, But yeah, I mean, my parting thought here is that like DAOs enable greater global coordination. Um, Like, If you think about the problems that humanity has solved over time, we're typically capable of solving these through markets and hierarchical governance. Um, But we're really at a point where the complexity of the challenges that we're facing just is not possible to solve them with the existing toolset we have. We have Mm -hmm known about climate change for decades and we are no closer to solving it than when we first even recognized it. Um, And just, yeah, markets and hierarchies aren't going to be, they don't have the capacity to solve these problems for us. Um, And I think humans need to build better tools for global coordination uh, if we want to survive as a species. And I think DAOs are sort of the like very early days glimpse at what that tool set can look like. Yeah. I think it's super fascinating. I
0: mean, All these changes in game theory, and now all these barriers globally that have been broken down. I mean, that book, uh, what's it called? The World is Flat. Uh, totally different meme now, but it was that late 90s, early 2000s. Everybody was championing that when we were in, in university, uh, and it was right in so many ways, but oh, how we were at the tip of the iceberg when that book was written relative to where we all na- are now. And um, the way some of this stuff can raise the floor globally, like that UBI token you were talking about earlier that that sounds like a, a joke by uh, American currency standards. Whatever, that's fifty cents an hour or whatever it is, but in a lot of places, man, that's real money. That like fifty cents oh, yeah. translates. So. Um yeah. Th- this, yeah. I mean, this the, is... the
1: founder of that was from Argentina, and like, yeah, he has family and he has friends, and like, a lot of the early community is based out of it, and, and like, yeah, the, these are the places and the parts of the world where this stuff is just going to be world changing on day one, um, and I think in the United States, because we don't necessarily have a lot of the same problems as other parts of the world, um, I think we don't really think that same way.
0: Mm. All right, so let's get to the lightning round. Yeah, let's do some lightning round action here, Kevin. What's it like to actually work for a DAO? I'm having trouble wrapping my brain around it because I'm used to either being the boss and giving orders or being the subordinate and taking orders. How does this work if there's no bosses or subordinates? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh,
1: you don't need permission to join a DAO. You can just go join and start contributing. Um, there's there's not an application process. Um, can you you, get you really out? like.
0: What if you join and play Joker? <laughs> you know, chaotic evil. Yeah,
1: I mean it's it's going to depend DAO to DAO, but I'm imagining that if if you're bugging people, they're going to get annoyed and they're not going to be interested in hearing from you. You can still own um, the
0: tokens, but they won't include you in the collaboration tools. I got gotcha. you. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, at the end of the day, like give a DAO what it wants, and it will pay you for it. So um, example of this, I joined the the Rarible community call a couple weeks ago. Uh, Rarible is an NFT marketplace. And a guy showed up. He said, hey, I built this app called OwnerFi. It was on iOS. It lets you mint NFTs directly from the app. And, you know, it was mostly unused for years and then NFTs blew up. And so now it's the number one app in the app store when you search for NFTs and like, I'm going to go quit my day job to work on this now. Um, And I want to use Rarible as the platform that exists underneath that I mint NFTs uh, for. So, you know, he created a proposal um, and Rarible is obviously incentivized people that hold the token. Uh, and people that are involved in that community, they're incentivized to, you know, help this person out. Like mm-hmm. let them build off of the platform. Um... And yeah, I, I think this is just sort of an example of like, if you have something to, to bring to the table, um, DAOs are, will, are willing to fund you. And it's not just software engineers either, you know, uh, product builders, like graphic designers, artists, community managers, like all of this is still important and necessary work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, find an interesting project, join their Discord. A lot of this happens on Discord, sometimes Telegram, uh, and just ask where you can help. Yeah, yeah. totally. So... How do I know if a DAO is really decentralized?
0: Yeah, I think we touched on this earlier a little bit. It's it's all a spectrum of decentralization. And like anything else, blockchain, DAO, uh, just by nature of it being a DAO doesn't necessarily mean it's structured in a way that's totally decentralized. If it's set up so that half of the tokens are owned by two or three people and then the other half are open for purchase, well, the decision-making power isn't really equally distributed in the nature of what you'd expect with a DAO. Um, same with a, a private blockchain, right? If there's a really big pre and a lot, a, a small portion of people own a lot of the tokens before any of the rest of us have access, um, that's that's not really a, a great decentralized model. So you have to look into the white paper, the nuts and bolts of it and sort of see how it's structured, look into the, the blockchain, read about it. Um, and that'll give you kind of uh, a, a perspective there, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just yeah, sort of a I change mean, I, of power dynamics. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah,
1: like you mentioned, it's just similar to blockchain, similar to everything in this space where you, you can't really just take the name decentralized uh, at face value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you kind of need to look into it a little more.
0: Yeah. Um, so how about these hierarchies, though? I, I feel like we're we're almost so negative on hierarchical, hierarchical structures are terrible. And we've, we've gotten really far with hierarchies, right? We've gotten to this point. So... Um, are they really that bad? Are DAOs really the answers to our problems? What happens if, if we hand Axie Infinity over to the, the the audience and then they just vote to to make the game really easy and and not fun anymore? You know, like what what happens there? Can a DAO like act in its own uh, worst interest if if they make yeah. a mistake?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a very common question. Um, hierarchies aren't really the problem that DAOs are trying to solve. So it's more about the power dynamic that exists. Uh, if too much power is centralized in too few actors uh, that are making all of the important decisions, things don't generally turn out in the what's best for the group. Uh, this is why we've evolved past kings. This is why you don't generally want to live under a dictatorship. Um, but mm. the companies are still sort of at a point where like everything there's only one model, there's one template, um, and I think hierarchies, uh, the important thing that they provide is this uh, different roles and, and with that allow for different amounts of engagement and allow for different amounts of skin in the game. Right. Um, I don't think somebody making, um, uh, you know, minimum wage at McDonald's is necessarily going to be incentivized in the same way um as like some of the the people that are that have a lot more skin in the game in, in kind of uh, upper management. Uh, this is a, a weird example because uh, because that's that's kind of a nightmare organization. But um, <laughs> but I think the important thing here is that like DAOs can produce these same roles, right? Like they can they can produce roles for different people that have different amounts of engagement. You could still have influence and, and status, rank, reputation. Uh, experience and clout within DAOs. Um, and so, what it really is, is it's this move from uh, this power dynamic of power over to a power dynamic of uh, power with. And what I mean by that is, uh, when there's this dynamic of a manager managee relationship, uh, that's power over. Like, it's really whatever the manager says goes. Um, Power with is more of this community-based. Like we're all in this together. We we all uh, we're all incentivized in, in the best interest of it. Um, and yeah, y- you can still have the positive benefits of hierarchies. And, and to some degree, like DAOs in themselves, still kind of have a resemblance structure to <laughs> to uh, hierarchies. If if there is sort of a, a centralized team that mm-hmm. still owns a big portion of the DAO tokens. Um, but yeah hierarchies aren't necessarily like the the problem I, I think it's more so like the outcome that hierarchies tend to produce is, is
0: the problem it, it's sort of a, a socialist dream though the the way you, f- you frame it like that like a, allowing sort of a socialist framework to work in a way that still interfaces with a capitalist system I mean maybe we could do a whole podcast on the economic theory behind some of this stuff but um, Wow, that, yeah, that's, uh... I
1: mean, I think I, I really do think at a high level and longer term, uh, th- this this movement is taking us to a place where we can take some of the good ideas from bucket A and some of the good ideas from bucket B and figure out like a new version of a, of a system that, you know, we're not stuck with just like hardcore Uh, late-stage capitalism as our only real option for moving forward.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. So um, last little question here, like, where can I learn more, dude? This is super fascinating. I'm sure people have pontificated on DAOs beyond the 40 minutes we've done here. What's the next step to go deeper? Because I got to know, I got to do some reading before bed tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
1: so first off, a lot of this is incredibly new, right? The first Smart contract DAO was from 2016. So, like, people haven't even had enough time to write a lot of books or like produce a lot of content about DAOs in general. Mm. Um, but uh, so I think I'll, I'll link a few Medium articles that might send you down some good rabbit holes. I'm ready for the um, DAO
0: that documents DAOs, dude. Come on. Like, yeah, let's go. Get I mean, up. A, that's a problem that Giddy exists.
1: Up. <laughs> <laughs> uh another another specific resource uh there's a website you can go to called Dao house uh, it's a directory it's like a decentralized directory of uh popular DAOs, and so that you can kind of use that to get a feel for like what is happening in the space. Um, Gitcoin is a tool that allows you to earn income working for the open internet. Um, you can uh, like it, it in itself, it may not call itself a DAO, but to a degree like it interfaces with all of these different organizations and these different projects. And it, it uh, tries to, it uses what I mentioned earlier, quadratic funding to funnel grants uh, two different projects. Um, and so if, if you're not really sure where to start, Gitcoin is a great place to kind of look at where you can earn money uh, just, you know, working for the internet. A um, couple sort of like infrastructure tools that exist around DAOs, there's DAO Stack and Aragon. Uh, Um, these are like low level software infrastructures for building DAOs. Uh, A lot of what we've talked about so far are just kind of like smart contracts where the project might write some specific code for their particular DAO, Mm -hmm. but DAO stack and Aragon are sort of trying to figure out like, okay, what can we standardize? What can we, uh, what tools can we sort of build that are more general purpose for this new type of organization? Um, and then finally for like more general thoughts about decentralized governance, um, there's a podcast called the Future Thinkers podcast. I highly recommend uh, that kind of digs into this at a high level. Um, Dow Stack, the company I just mentioned, has a free ebook called Decentralized Thriving. Mm. Um, it's a collection of essays that most of which are pretty good. I think you um, sent
0: that to me a long time ago, and I put it on my tablet and never read it. Maybe I should revisit. It's all good. That's a- <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh,
1: I, it's it's from like 2019 uh, when that came out, which in dow terms is like ancient history at this point yeah yeah exactly um i mean there's still some more general thoughts that are kind of interesting that you can glean from it but um yeah if you really want to know about like what's happening right now you kind of need to dig through medium you need to dig through um uh, yeah through all these different like more online resources because really i mean this what sets crypto apart from the traditional technologies that have uh that have kind of been built. Um, we now already have the internet as our foundation. Um, and so like what we're building are these global tools that anyone in the world can contribute to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the speed at which this innovation is occurring is just, it's incredible. Like the, yeah. the fact that all of this happened in the last couple years and like people haven't even had enough time to learn about it. Uh, it's it makes me really excited about what's coming next.
0: Definitely, man. The future is bright. Uh, I'm starting to dive deeper into DeFi. I just used Uniswap for the first time uh, between nice. now and the last podcast we did. And um, yeah, one, once you start to experience the future, you start to visualize the possibilities. And I think it gets harder and harder to go back. It's like when you work from home long enough, you start thinking, man, every day I do this, it's going to be a little harder to go back to a nine to five. And eventually you get closer yeah. to that limit of, I'm never going back to a nine to five. And uh, I I think finance is is maybe not dissimilar in that regard. But Kevin, I think that brings us to an end. I appreciate you educating me so much on this one, man. I'm excited to do some follow-up reading. And I'm excited to come back again. And dig another level deeper folks remember none of this is financial advice never put more into crypto than you can afford to lose but we are excited that uh, you're on this journey with us that you're enjoying learning about the technology that makes all this exciting stuff possible find us on spotify itunes subscribe here on youtube we love you we see you thank you so much for listening we'll catch you next time
1: thanks y'all